Anger by Alexander Augustus Narrated by Daniel Collard Volume 3, Chapter 2 For several days, Elizabeth hung on the wall in Edward's apartment, enduring patiently while her host made an effort to seem cheery and humble. She was clamped by the corners and held behind glass, stretched out like a butterfly. This was exactly the one place she wished not to end up, but her protestations went unheeded. For, for fudge's sake, where, where is it? Edward paused, tapped hurriedly at his pockets, and with a huge jangle of keys exclaimed, My ID! I know I put it down here! Ah! He pincered at books and papers at his desk, like a seagull pinching chips from a dustbin. Eventually he retrieved his ID card from within a folder. Edward had an implant, like Leopold, and Elizabeth could sense the buzzing from his temple, even from another floor. Your friend is here, ma'am, lying stiff as a doormat in the lab, and we are late as usual. They were, in fact, ten minutes early, but Edward enjoyed being at any meeting with at least fifteen minutes to spare so he could tut at the latecomers from a comfortable seat. Today's meeting was restricted to top-level employees, so there was no such necessity. He lifted Elizabeth's frame from the wall and wrapped it in a silk scarf to conceal it from the other key workers, tucked it under one arm, and hurried down the stone steps. Got to keep you hidden. We don't want to fuel rumours about that wretched woman who brought you here, he said as they crossed the courtyard to the lab entrance. Inside was the same layout Elizabeth half-remembered from the day of her transformation, but there was an eerie feeling of presence and hidden movement. The artificial lights hummed, and every feature seemed to bend or shift as Edward passed by. She realised that shells were everywhere, holding equipment, lighting hallways, containing solutions, heating flasks. The labs were quite literally alive. Approaching the subterranean operating theatre, down a final flight of cold steps, she sensed Cup's limp body behind the glass of the observation window. She felt the slowly beating heart, and something inside her swelled with hope. He was alive! His condition was not good. His skull had been tampered with, something added or removed, and then patched together again. The door slapped open as Edward entered and hissed shut behind him. Dr. Buttercake looked up from some detailed work at a computer terminal. I see you brought Elizabeth. Pop her down on side and let's get going. He seemed well rested and at ease within the habitat of the lab. Quite a different man from the tin-pot dictator Elizabeth had perceived squatting in his tower. Leopold was connecting wires, typing out numbers and calculations, gliding between the nozzles of the printers and the bodies of other machines in his wheelie chair. There were only a handful of human staff sitting in the viewing area. A pearl was attending to the sterilization and preparation of the theatre. It was a metallic creature, 
with a long, flexible shell which snaked away among the equipment and out of sight. It had numerous legs which clasped at tools and carried them from table to table by passing them from leg to leg without moving the bulk of its body much at all. The body's conclusion was a beak which clasped a blade over Cup's face, dexterously shaving the remaining hair off his scalp and attaching flashing sensors. Good job, Mary. Sorry, I mean Maz PM11, said Leopold, clapping his sticky hands together and surveying the work of the pearl. There's not a minute to waste. Let's see if we can't free this chap from the pesky body which has incarcerated him. He looked up to where Elizabeth was propped in a seat. The implants made no difference, I'm afraid. He won't wake up. We're going to transfer him. Leopold was in an excitable mood, almost back to his old self. He checked his watch. Now then, back to your station, Maz PM11. This young man is about to make history. He'll be the first ever comatose mind to build itself a shell. Maz PM11's metal legs retracted into her undercarriage, and the whole length of her body seemed to fold into itself until she was tidy enough to tuck herself away under the gurney. Couldn't do stuff like this in the old days, not with all them ethics boards, Leopold chuckled. He lowered the nozzles to the printer and performed a final check on the connections to Cup's scalp. He stepped out of the theatre and took a position behind the control bank. Let's begin! The operating theatre was illuminated by blinding lights from the very same robotic tendrils which had rotated around Elizabeth's head a decade earlier. But now she was awake and she could sense what was happening with a greater perception than any of the humans in the room. The printing nibs were building up a base and support structure which would hold the form as it manifested. Edward leaned down to whisper, The first stage is going to be an injection of fungal culture into the speech centre of the brain. Did you know fungus can grow in the brain? Fungal threads can interlace with the neural pathways. They can stimulate and even control thought. Insects can have their minds displaced entirely by germinating spores. Until the internet uh, happened, fungal webs were probably the most information-dense networks on the planet. Amazing properties. We're hoping a few of these cells can make your cup more responsive. Plumes of smoke obscured the shell, and lubricating gel seeped from the nozzles. Who's for a brew? This could take hours, maybe even days, called out Leopold, who was overflowing with energy and needed to dispense it somehow. Don't worry, ma'am. Shells don't slip away undetected like they used to, he chuckled. He hopped off his chair and bustled from the theatre, motioning to Edward as he passed. Edward covered Elizabeth over with the scarf again. I have things to do. I'll be back for you later, he said, and exited from his side also. Elizabeth focused on Cup, who was twitching in the muscles of his fingers, just as he used to during his nightly hangings as if caught in some terrible nightmare. The light wins once more, she recited. Hours went by, and she was left quite alone to observe the process of shell creation, with Leopold appearing only occasionally at the window to check on progress. A type of torso was emerging, quite humanoid in form. Drills bore into the framework and implanted a dense network of components, none of which she could identify, though all seemed very important. 
she could sense an incredible structural complexity forming within the ribs of Cup's shell. A nano-machinery of wheels, nibs, rods, bits, pistons, valves, and these also began to disperse and build in other parts of the body. My goodness, settle down, Cup, thought Elizabeth. Even in a coma, he was nervously overactive. Time seemed irrelevant in this elongated space, but she was aware that evening was upon them. Cup's original human body lay on the gurney, pale and limp, limbs jutting out at odd angles, twitching. She wondered when the old body would become an empty vessel. It seemed to her still in touch with life. Leopold was back at the window, but from the furrow of his brow she could tell that something had caught his interest. He entered the control bay and approached one of the monitors, lifting a clipboard and comparing numbers beyond her comprehension. Oh, blimey, he said before moving to another screen. But where is the cerebral center? He muttered. Mars PM11, he called, and the sleek pearl extended upwards with its legs folding back out of its shiny body. The cerebral components, why are they scattered like this? There are bits going all over the place. The pearl spiralled up towards the red abort button on the printer and hovered. No, let's see it playing out. You'll die if we abort now. He bent down to a microphone. Raj PE21, assist in the theatre, please. Elizabeth flashed. What does it mean? What's wrong? But she was still covered over and her questions went unnoticed. The door of the observation room hissed open and Edward marched in. He snatched her up and carried her out. As they came back along a corridor, their passage was obstructed by a towering pearl, architectural in appearance, surfaced in overlapping scales of brick, topped by threatening battlements, gilded all around its edges. It had drawers and doors which bulged, barely concealing spikes, blades, and all manner of torturous equipment. The beast was twice the size of Edward and almost flattened him as it pushed past. Be safe, Cup, thought Elizabeth. That night, she wandered anxiously about the form of Cup's new body. What did it mean that his mind was not focused? What was Cup building within his new body? Would they ever be able to meet? Over the next few days, she repeatedly asked to be taken back to Cup. Edward? Edward! One is requesting your attention! But pleas and demands seemed to slide off him like water. His mood was unstable, and he quickly grew weary of any conversation. Elizabeth had never felt so powerless. She strained to sense what was going on in the subterranean labs, but the thick stone walls and layers of sturdy panelling made it impossible for vibrations to penetrate. She listened to the key workers when they moved through corridors or outside in the courtyards and heard snatches. Done with hardware now, said one irritated voice. Get him into the organic chamber, hurry! It was clear that some part of the transformation was not successful, or at least not planned for. And there was other activity as well. Denise seemed to be project managing the construction of a large structure on the front lawn. Lorries of pipes and bolts and joints and large metal panels were arriving and being offloaded by the groups of key workers who set about assemblage. 
To Elizabeth's alarm, there seemed also to be artillery arriving. She hoped she was mistaken. Edward, what's going on? Elizabeth demanded as he wafted through the room like a cold draught. Allow me to see Cap for myself. He pretended not to see the words flashing across her surface as she hung on the wall. Without turning, he would offer some excuse. I'm busy today, your majesty, so much to do. But every so often, he would snap at her at the end of his patience. For goodness sake, can't you talk about anything else? Cap this, cap that, as though you think of nothing else. It's shameful for a person of your standing. He would never have dreamed of speaking this way to her when she inhabited her old body. Denise Mulholland had decided to opt for implants, on the understanding that she could still transform into a Tiffany lamp later if she wanted to. I can see you lot need the help, she said as she took charge of the construction outside. Elizabeth was thankful for Denise, because she had a particularly piercing voice and her favourite topic of conversation was the mutant in the basement, who used to be her tenant. She was quite the authority. Yeah, they'll be bringing him up here next, planting him in the garden like a potato, see if it makes any difference. She grabbed the hand of another worker to make sure she had his attention. He's got roots and stuff, ain't he? Disgusting creature he is too. Heads bulged out, oozing pus. My old Chelsea had a cyst just like it on her back. Lodged it with a needle, we did. The stuff was just like cream cheese. <laughs> Smelt like it too. She reminisced. Oh, I wouldn't eat it. She had found minor celebrity at Balmoral. Firstly for her lunatic phone calls about the Queen, and now for her association with the monstrous cup. He was a weirdo, if you ask me. Room full of junk and pictures, just like a psychopath in a film. Always making useless stuff that no one would give a hoot for. The other worker tried to edge away, but Denise kept pulling him back. But this shell he's made. One bit was kind of human, the other bit was kind of like a tree, skewering itself right up the middle and ripping it in two. Both bits were growing, but kind of destroying itself at the same time. I always knew he had a messed up mind. Leopold also used the courtyard for telephone conversations, unaware that Elizabeth was listening. Something to do with the stem cells, she heard him say one frozen morning. With the virus and the stem cells and the hardware of the pearl, almost like, almost as though the combination is allowing the young man to reproduce inside, inside his head. We've recorded voices from inside the head. Leopold was pacing the courtyard in a state of excitement. No, inside. The outer shell is unresponsive, like a vegetable. Well, yes, definitely an anomaly. We're moving him out tomorrow. He ended the call and stamped the ground. He checked around to see that no one was eavesdropping, but did not consider Elizabeth hanging on a wall 30 feet away. Time passed slowly in the confines of the frame on Edward's apartment wall. It was dusk when Elizabeth felt another flurry of activity outside. Denise was back in the courtyard, among a crowd of forms. Make way! She clucked. No, you go over there, Rex Peem, whatever, over there! A group of pearls was carrying something out of the labs. Does this thing work? She muttered, massaging her forehead. Gives me a bloody headache anyway. 
Elizabeth focused on the lump being dragged into the courtyard. It was Cup. Oh my! She exclaimed. He really is quite... Is that really... Poor Cup! By all accounts, my shell was grotesque. The rumours Elizabeth had heard were true. The shell was humanoid. My bulbous head did bob up and down, unable to support itself on the puny frame of the body. A thousand thousand mouths, eyes, ears and noses sprouted and grew and dried out or were reabsorbed, as clumps of flesh matter did expand out like a mushroom, slopping over the sides of itself like a toxic muffin. There were no reproductive organs, but fleshy vines did burst out from a gaping hole where you would expect to see them, surrounded by swollen arteries and swelling tissue. The vines wrapped around the head like barbed wire, binding it together as it bubbled, but also tearing the skin and biting nerves, making the whole monster writhe in agony. Many of the eyes rolled frantically, straining to focus. A trail of blood did drip behind like treacle. As I was carried, the thorny vines that clung did rend bloody fissures, and yet more eyes did peer out into the world from within the wounds. Don't touch the bodily fluids! shouted Leopold from behind. If you get blood on your suit, wash it off immediately. I repeat, stay clear of the bodily fluids! That goes for you too, pals. We don't properly understand the effect. Cup's shell's head was not a void, and with great focus Elizabeth was able to get a sense of that pregnant chasm and the turmoil within. She tried to remember what Cup had said before trying to kill himself. Something like, His troubled thoughts stir hell within him, and within him there is a hell from which he cannot escape. Elizabeth felt a bitter swelling of regret. Denise screamed as one of the eyeballs and a globule of nasal cartilage plopped down by her feet. She stamped the stuff flat as it wriggled and scooped it into a sample bag before spraying her shoes with disinfectant. He wants it on the lawn in the middle of where the dome's gonna be, between those posts. She opened another sample bag and scooped up a clump of scalp. That's what Buttercake wants! I always wonder who's actually at the end of that phone he's always talking into. Perhaps he's just chatting to himself. Denise! Leopold had emerged from one of the buildings with Maz PM11 dragging a box behind. I saw a tongue flopping about on the stairs. Could you clean it up, please? Under his lab coat was a hazmat, and he was clutching a clipboard. Now then, put him down there, Rog PE21. Tarmochley. Immediately, the fleshy vines around the arms and legs tightened, and the muscles bulged, spraying liquid in a wide arc. Let's get the lad, um, Cup AX01, get it contained. The dangling roots of Cup's shell thrust themselves into the soil, burrowing deep like fat, greedy worms. To Elizabeth's astonishment, she sensed the plant-like form sucking up nutrients and pumping them with remarkable speed. The bulbous head gyrated and spasmed, the eyes opened and closed, and flurries of activity burst through the body and into the ballooning head. Elizabeth had been handled by pregnant mothers on her currency travels, and experienced how their bodies adapted to support life. And Cup was like this, 
but manically dripping with fluids and bulging with life. She felt heat intense enough to melt metal. She felt forms growing, merging, dividing. She felt life, death, chaos, a whole cosmos contained within him and struggling for expression. As I thought. Leopold held his gloved hands to the floor as if to feel for vibrations. If you can hear me, Cop AXL1, open all your eyes. The mutant container did not respond. Leopold began selecting objects from a box of Cup's possessions, lifting them up to any open eyes and jotting down any noticeable reactions. As each eye opened and focused, the pupil dilated and contracted. Then the bulbous head seemed to swell and expand in response. Leopold took a phone call as he lifted a stick of graphite to the monster's eye. Hello, sir. Yes. As I was saying, this research is part of the mission, the fungal cells. He lifted a sketchbook with one hand and waved it in the air until the pages fell open to a dark pencil sketch of a woman's face from above. That looks like me, said Denise, who had emerged from the basement, still massaging her head. Leopold shooed her away. No, well... No, but there is in fact a direct relevance, if we tackle the problem in another way. The climate and the disease problem, yes. The subject is regenerative. This is what I've been trying for. Elizabeth felt the phone vibrate as something was shouted from the other end of the line. Well, sir. Yes, sir. We've got him contained. Leopold fell silent once more, listening. I've taken samples, he said. Arrangements have been made for the anomalies, but COP AX01, we can terminate the rest, but I need more time with this one. The phone call was ended. Leopold returned to his duty. Bring him out, MPQ87. To Elizabeth's astonishment, Cup, the original human Cup, was dragged out from another wing of the castle. He was sprawled over a serpentine pearl, which carried him along. Elizabeth could not sense movement, no animation, or sensitivity, or even a pulse. He was cold. Chunks of flesh had been removed from his temples. Leopold presented the corpse to the mutant shell cup. Look here, what do you make of this? He lifted the head of the gaunt young man and studied the beast, which was focusing on the body with several eyes and apparently combusting with violent internal force. Leopold had climbed up a stepladder and was lifting a magnifying glass up to one of the larger eyes. You have quite strong feelings about that, eh, lad? The wreathing vines were sucking and pumping at the ground below. He waved a hand at Denise. Fetch Her Majesty down here. Minutes later, Elizabeth heard the familiar clacking steps approach, then a knock at the door. Mr. Snippet! I've been asked to bring Her Majesty down to Dr. Buttercake. Edward opened the door, keeping the latch on. What? He snapped, pretending not to have heard. The doctor wants the queen! Edward slammed the door in Denise's face, snatched Elizabeth from the wall, and marched out of the apartment. I am the escort to Her Majesty's shell, thank you very much. Denise was in no position to argue. Careful! called Leopold as they came towards him. Not too close!
with hands trembling in plastic gloves, Edward held Elizabeth up to an undulating part of the bulbous head, keeping his own head strained back. Suddenly, the lids on the bulge split wide open, and Elizabeth found herself splayed out in front of a colossal wet eye, with its thick lashes fanning the air around her. The pupil bloomed to the size of a football and studied her intently. She tried to feel beyond it, to look behind the eye and into the activity inside. As children, she and Margaret used to collect caterpillars. They would scream and giggle as the cocoons in the summer months burst open to release cabbage-white butterflies. But there were no butterflies inside Cup AX01. The sensations she felt reminded her of the moments when a cocoon begins to shake uncontrollably, not in an itchy and growing way, but with violent convulsions preceding the moment when it would burst open with maggots, having been eaten from the inside. What darkness now eats at you, Cup? Perhaps it is time for your peace to come. She felt ashamed at having prolonged his agony by handing him to this mad scientist. Your Majesty, anything you want to say to the lad? Asked Leopold. Go ahead. Edward held her up to the eye of the beast, and immediately Elizabeth flashed across her surface. Dear Cup, wake up, Cup. Remember, the light wins once more. The colossal eye slammed shut. Leopold penciled some notes, and Elizabeth was whisked back to the apartment. Maybe humans are the maggots of the earth, Elizabeth thought. We have also gorged on our environment, sucking minerals and oil from under the skin of the world, scorching the land, spreading disease everywhere. Elizabeth pondered the organisation of insects like ants and bees, did the powerful not cast humans into classes and force them to toil for the benefit of the few? Did they not leave their weaker brothers and sisters behind? Royal jelly, she thought. Those plump royal babies which all the workers toil for. Are we not all like insects in this respect? Elizabeth thought about what it meant to be a queen from this perspective. Over the next days, Cup AX01's head continued to grow, expanding, bobbing and flopping over deliriously before the barbed vines would drag it back to centre. Elizabeth watched Leopold's experiments as closely as she could. It did not escape her notice that he had increased the amount of security precautions. Denise's structure was now erected around Cup, and the scale of it dwarfed him. But it seemed that the Shell Corp board were applying pressure from a distance. Leopold grew increasingly irritable under the strain. He wanted to study Shell Cup, but by the sounds of it, the board just wanted the whole mess removed. Diligently, he took samples from Cup AX01's tissue from every part of the grotesque body he could get his hands on. He froze some samples, experimented on others, and all the while worked with a sense of urgency. Edward continued to keep Elizabeth locked in the apartment, and in return, she gave him the silent treatment, refusing to respond to anything he said or did. He was a suspicious man, and this silence set his mind alight with conspiracies. He did not put it past the other workers to swap her for another £5 note in his absence. He was especially wary of Denise. On occasion, 
Elizabeth noticed him at his bedside table, flicking through the money in his wallet, studying the notes as if looking for some indicator which differentiated them from Elizabeth. Try and gaslight me, will you? He muttered under his breath. There was a whiff of abandonment about him, a purposelessness, and eventually he addressed her head on. You know, I failed the psych and physio tests. I was not allowed to transform. They promised me I could be a pearl if I did my service here, but it's been almost a decade. That was the hope I was clinging to after you'd gone. But I have too much of a rebellious mind, they said. Bet you never pegged me as a rebel, did you? He strode to the window and traced a bony finger around the silhouette of Shell Cup on the lawn. Buttercake would certainly have less problems if you vanished. He still carries the guilt of your first disappearance. And now the board is adamant that you should disappear along with the anomalies. But for now, my job is to make sure you don't disappear again. I'm the only thing standing between you and termination, do you understand that? Look, Buttercake wants you present at Cup AX01's termination, in case anything goes wrong. I will bring you, if you wish, if you agree to talk to me again, to start over. He paced back to the wall and lifted Elizabeth's casing off the hook. Will you agree to that? Yes, I can agree to that, she replied. Very well. It's tomorrow. We can begin again tomorrow. Thank you.